0: Today, I want to speak to you about where to go when you don't know where to go. I don't know about you, but I have been loving our newfound freedom of being able to eat outside with friends and family again. And in John 21, we find Jesus was also a fan of an alfresco brunch with friends. He appears to his disciples after his resurrection and the disciples are out fishing and he calls them over to bring the fish they've caught and have breakfast with him around a fire. And it's at this moment we pick up on in John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. One of my most vivid memories from my time at school was when I was nine years old. We were in class talking about something big that had happened in the news. And I was telling my friends that my nan actually lived really near where it happened, but they wouldn't believe me. And it really annoyed me. And I said, "Yes, yeah, she literally lives around the corner from where it happened. And they were like, no, she doesn't. I was like, yes, she even saw it. And they said, no, she didn't. I said, yes, she was even involved in it. And they were like, what, Rachel? They called the teacher over, miss, miss, come here. Rachel's nan has been involved in what's been going on in the news. Suddenly the teacher comes over and she's like, oh my gosh, Rachel, like, how is your nan? Is she okay? And I panic, I'm like, Yep, she's fine, Uh, she's in hospital, she has one broken arm and one broken leg. I kind of panicked and didn't know what to say. And then at break time, all the teachers start talking about it and telling each other, all the students find out. I have teachers coming up to me saying, you know, Rachel, I'm so sorry to hear about your Nan. How is she? The school then plans to get a big get well soon card that everyone can sign and send to the hospital. So they start asking me for the address of the hospital that she's in. Problem was, My nan wasn't at hospital, she was out at bingo. She was completely fine. Now yes, she'd lived near this event that had happened, but she had not been involved in it. What was like a half truth had like snowballed into this huge lie. So now I was in over my head, I was panicking. Parents evening was coming up and I knew that my mum wouldn't lie for me. So the truth would eventually come out. I remember leaving school that afternoon not knowing where to go or what to do. So I ran to this field behind my house and sat on this hill, crying, panicking, trying to problem solve my way out of this messy situation that I thought if the truth comes out about this, it's going to ruin my friendships, my relationships with the teachers, with the school, my mum is going to be furious. I even stayed there until sunset. And if I'm honest, I think it was probably the first time in my life where I'd ever felt this really deep sense of guilt of shame and perhaps most of all regret and there's been many times since when i've had that same knot in the pit of my stomach when maybe i've struggled to face something i've done struggling to sleep to find peace or to find a way out or how to fix something times when i've said and done things that i regret and hurt people that i love And when I read the story of Peter, I'm reminded that he was probably feeling the same. See, Simon Peter had been one of Jesus' closest friends. He'd been a fisherman who Jesus called to follow him. And Jesus spent three years mentoring him, giving him the name Peter, meaning rock. This was going to be the person through whom Jesus was going to build his church. But a few chapters earlier in John 18, Peter the rock. Crumbles. At one of the most important times, Jesus has been arrested, and just before he's to be crucified, in his greatest time of need, Peter is found hiding, stood around a fire with others, and he tells one of the biggest lies of his life. He denies having anything to do with Jesus, he abandons him, and he fails his closest friend. Peter goes on to tell this lie, to fail in this way, three times denying knowing Jesus, let alone loving him. I can't help but imagine as Peter approaches a fire again, but this time for breakfast with Jesus, that in the same way when I see that hill in the village where I grew up and I'm reminded of the lie that I told and the mistakes that I made, I think for Peter, as he went to that fire for breakfast with Jesus and looked in the eyes of the one he betrayed, that the same guilt and shame would have flooded him. Maybe those are feelings that you too are familiar with. And I want to ask you, where do you go when you don't know where to go? Where do you go with your mistakes? Where do you go with those feelings of guilt and shame and regret? What do you do when it feels like there's no way back? Maybe we go on a Netflix binge or social media scrolling or gaming or fiction for distraction. Maybe we go to try drink it away, eat it away, work longer hours, avoid the person, the place, the problem, or go run and find a hill in a field and hide like I did. But if you're anything like me, you'll find rarely does any of this heal the problem or the shame we might feel. It only buries it. And in some form or another, we can find that we carry it with us and it can become so destructive to our lives, to what we see when we look in the mirror, to our relationships and for our ability to really live life in all its fullness. Brené Brown is a research professor and a New York Times best-selling author and she spent many years researching shame. She explains how guilt comes when we've made a mistake but shame is something that comes when we feel we are a mistake. She says it's something that flourishes with secrecy, silence, and judgment. And she thinks that shame is an epidemic in our culture in the West, and that it prevents us from fully connecting with others and fully living life. And it's something that we need to confront head on. I think if I'd have been Peter and I'd have took one look at Jesus, I would have legged it. I'd have deleted his number, I'd have unfollowed him on social media and I would have ran and hid. But perhaps Peter was tired of running. He'd already ran back to his old job as a fisherman. This time he confronts things. And where does he go? He goes to Jesus. And the response from Jesus is surprising and beautiful. In the voice of the one who Peter probably expected to find condemnation, he finds forgiveness. And where he might have expected to be reminded of his failures, Jesus instead reminds him of his purpose. And what Peter encounters is what we encounter when we go to Jesus. I want to encourage you today, when you don't know where to go, with that sense of guilt and shame, when you don't know where to go with that sense of purposelessness or questions about who you are, go to Jesus. Because when we go to Jesus, we find forgiveness. Three times Peter had denied knowing Jesus, and three times in this passage, Jesus asked him if he loves him. For every one of the three failures and mistakes, Jesus offers Peter a second chance to make things right. It must have been a moment of great healing and restoration for Peter. Maybe you've experienced the power of those words, I'm sorry, you're forgiven, I love you. I remember a time of really putting it my foot in it with a friend, a close friend. I betrayed her trust. And I wondered if that would be the end of our friendship. I remember that moment when the text message came through from her saying, it's okay, I forgive you. And that's a moment that we can know with God. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, our mistakes, the things that we've done, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Now, it doesn't say if we just confess the small stuff, he'll forgive us from the small stuff. But it's everything. He is faithful to forgive us. And because of that, we can also forgive ourselves. C.S. Lewis says that if God's forgiveness and we refuse to forgive ourselves, it's like setting ourselves up in a higher tribunal than God. If God forgives you, you can forgive yourself. When we go to Jesus, we find forgiveness but when we go to Jesus, we also find freedom. For the three times that Peter failed to be all that he was created to be in failing Jesus, three times Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Kind of seems like a random thing to respond with, but it's almost like a metaphor that Jesus is using. He's saying, go, go look after others go look after my sheep, my followers, go lead, go build my church, go and be the Peter who I have called and created you to be. Jesus responds with purpose. He gives Peter something to do. It's in this conversation that we find Jesus sets Peter free from the box of failure his actions had put him in. He sets him free from the prison of shame his past had created. Jesus forgives us and frees us so that we can go live the purposes he has for us. Just this week, I was walking with someone around the sunny streets of Kensington and asking him about this last year of the pandemic and that question, you know, how have you been? And he started to share how he'd actually been in a really dark place at the start of the pandemic. He'd been stuck in this pattern of addiction that had been going on years and only got worse. His mental health was at rock bottom with anxiety and self-harm and all of this was affecting his relationships with other people and he felt he'd been close to breaking point but then he said now things were amazing things had really turned a corner and i said to him like what happened like what was it what was the turning point and he said november i was like what happened in november he said in november i think i actually became a christian i'd been at church all my life but i finally understood the forgiveness, the grace and the love of God. He said, "I finally got it. He'd been at church one time and heard someone speak about how God is the God who runs towards us. He's the God who loves us and pursues us and forgives us, no matter the mess we're in or the shame we feel. And then he said, he sat down with someone and he told them everything that had been going on in his life. He brought all the things that had been hidden into the light. And he said at that time, everything changed. It was like this weight was lifted off him. And he said, things haven't been the same since. Where do you go when you don't know where to go? I want to encourage you to go to Jesus, the one in whose presence all sin and guilt and shame loses its power to go to the only one who can truly heal the things that we'd rather hide. I want to encourage you if you feel lost or purposeless in this season, to go to Jesus. Perhaps you've lost your job, perhaps you're struggling to know your purpose in your day-to-day life. Perhaps you're wondering what on earth you are on this earth for. I wonder if you will go to Jesus When our response to him is that, Jesus, we love you, we wanna follow you. It's when we begin to speak with our creator that we begin to learn what we are created for, just like Peter. And then we get invited to following Jesus on this lifelong journey of finding out what our life is about. I wonder if we take a minute now to respond. God, I thank you that you are faithful to forgive. And I pray right now for each person praying that they would know the power of the freedom that you died for them to experience. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you reassure us of the forgiveness that Jesus died for us to know? And of the purposes he set us free to live out. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.